Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, welcome back. Zach Kiefer, James Boyd. It's been a little bit, but we're 10 days out. 10 days out from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is the Upper Quartile Podcast. The Colts are trying to climb back into the Upper Quartile Podcast, and the decision they make next Thursday night will have a lot to do with that. I want to start here, James, before we really get into a lot to talk about, right? There's a lot of stuff happening in the league right now, and the Colts are inching towards a very, very monumental decision. For the 2023 draft, we have many options. With the number four pick, we could stay and take a quarterback or trade up and take a quarterback or trade down and maybe take a quarterback or not. All options are on the table, but we like our position and are very excited. Fire up. Those are the words of Jim Irsay on Sunday afternoon, clarifying things for us a week and a half before the draft. Doesn't really narrow things down a damn bit. What did you make from that? To be completely honest, I was in the middle of watching the Lakers versus the Grizzlies, and I was thinking, not now, Ursay, not now. Because, <laughs> you know, we all have his post notifications on, and I'm thinking it, it could be something significant as soon as I see a name or something. I'm not saying he's going to tell us right now who they're leaning toward, but I'm, when I saw, like, just the brief buzz, I'm like, all right, let me get on this and see what it is. And I'm like, oh, you're trolling me. Like, you're, 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 you're bothering me. It was like the little brother – like, I'm not poking you. Like, I'm not touching you, but I'm, like, about to touch you type of thing. That's what it felt like. All right, like. but here's my theory. Anthony Richardson is the first oh, quarterback don't, don't give of the four photos <laughs> oh, he posted. So it goes Richardson, Stroud, Young, oh, Levis. Gosh. However, does that mean Levis is the first photo in his phone? We could really do, like, a Zapruder film on this. Or is it just all completely nonsense? They were all blurry photos. From, so from that point, <laughs> Bad photos, man. Get some better photos. So I'm thinking, like, is my Wi-Fi all right? Did I, did I pay my internet bill last month or something? What's going on? But, I mean, it's Ursay being Ursay. I got to appreciate that he is himself. He loves this. Um, through the end, it really was truly a look at me type of moment. But I got a kick out of the comments I received. I even commented and said, we got to get the man some clearer photos. But, yeah, I definitely was, like, not now. I am enjoying the NBA playoffs. And mainly because, 
you know, this upcoming upcoming weekend will be free a little bit, you know, got some stuff to do, but it's like our last bit of freedom until the draft comes and we're just locked in the room together at the practice facility, you know, going through the beast for whoever they draft and things like that. And basically just getting to know each other a little all too well <laughs> for three days. But it's a long week. Yeah. Long yeah. Weekend. That was a it was a funny experience. But I do think that what he said is obvious, of course, but it just drives home the point. Like no one really knows what they're thinking. I know there's reports out there that might be leaning towards Will Levis. You know, I believe that came from ESPN. And then, and it's legit. Like the guy who I think it was a Matt Miller, I believe he's, he's legit. Like he's not out there just saying anything. Like I respect that. However, there is still a long way to go before the draft. And a lot of things can still change because from what I've been reading, it doesn't seem like it's automatically Bryce and CJ or CJ and Bryce. I do expect them to still be the two quarterbacks off the board first. But if there is any type of hesitancy at two for Houston and TJ Stroud, or if another change trades up to number three, we've talked about this before, that changes the dynamic. So, you know, you could think right now, oh, the Colts are going to get Will Levis. Oh, the Colts are going to get Anthony Richardson. And, you know, if you'd have asked me right around the combine, I was like, oh, the Colts are going to get TJ Stroud. Because at that point, things hadn't changed yet. Huh. And so, seems like two I know, years ago. but. Yeah, he just stated the obvious. One thing I, I didn't, uh, I guess, appreciate was like, just do a poll. Like, do a poll. Ask fans what they want. And let's see if you do that, Mr. Ursay. But that would that would take too much, uh, I don't know, too much finagling on the phone because the four photos, I got to give him credit. You know, he's not my age. He didn't grow up in the tech era, I guess. But we got to get him some clearer photos because I was like, what is this? I don't know who these people are. You could tell me this is any quarterback on Alabama's roster. Like the, the picture he had for Bryce Young was awful. I'm like, this could be anybody in team history. <laughs> yeah, I can barely see him. <laughs> this is the fascinating part. Nobody knows what they're going to do. The drafts where no one knows where this team is going to go, those are the most fun because we really don't have a feel on which direction they're going to go. I could see any situation playing out. I really could. Draft a quarterback at three, move up, you know, move up to get that third pick, stay at four, draft one. There's a small chance they don't draft one, which I think is not the right play, but I could see as as a possibility, maybe four or five percent of a chance. But here's where I want to start. You mentioned CJ Stroud. It felt very strongly that for a couple of weeks that was where the Panthers were leaning. And again, nobody knows. Now it feels like that shifted. I don't know if you'd agree. It seems like it shifted a little bit to Bryce Young. The only layer in the C.J. Stroud discussion with Houston that's fascinating to me, and maybe I'm overplaying this and maybe I'm not, but his agent, David Muhlgeta, represents Deshaun Watson. There's a lot of bad blood, I would imagine, from the Watson-Texan struggle with Nick Casario, the GM. Now, Muhlgeta represents a ton of great players in the league, and you're going to have to do business with him at some point if you want good players on your team. The Texans do because they don't have a lot. I wonder if that factors into the decision to draft C.J. Stroud at all. I don't know. I'm speculating. But if there's a chance that C.J. Stroud does not get drafted in the first two picks, if I'm the Colts, I'm going up to three and I'm getting them because someone else is going to do it if they don't. You absolutely have to. Very small and chance. Yes. I want to emphasize that. Very small chance. But these things happen sometimes. If this were to happen, let's say that. And I don't know if the Texans are dead set on a quarterback. I, I honestly don't know. The Panthers are. I don't know if the Texans are. The Texans are, without a quarterback drafting one this year, are bad enough to be in that Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes yeah. next season, um, which I believe is 
pretty realistic for them. I know even if they draft, yeah, them, like they're like their roster is just not there yet. Like I know Colts fans have been bullying us and telling us, "Oh, just punt." Kayla Williams is there, Drake May, but the Colts aren't bad enough. I do think they're still good enough to win. Yeah, tell Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that. Tell you know, a healthy Shaquille Leonard changes things. I do think realistically, whether they get whatever quarterback they get, assuming it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, they're going to end up, I believe, around that four or five win mark or higher. Like, I, I don't see the Colts just completely looking or or playing to the point where they just can't win, like, at all. And it's a three-win, two-win, one-win season. I just don't no, see that I happening. Don't see that. Not with not with Pittman and Taylor. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got enough talent to I actually mean, five, be something. Wins, but, right. yeah, if, you know, going back to your point, if – the Texans hesitate. They don't want to take T.J. Stroud. They feel like they have a better chance of getting a quarterback the following offseason. I do think that you have to go up to number three, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you because other teams Doesn't matter. are going to be thinking the same exact thing where they're like, oh. Stop sitting on the yeah, sideline. Here's our chance to do so. It'll cost you a little bit less, I would imagine, than oh, some yes. of those teams because you're right, you're right there. You're one spot back. You're not moving up from 20 or 9 or whatever. My whole – idea in that sense would be to hold on to my first and second round picks obviously outside of the number four pick whatever deal i got to make where i give up a player or a third round pick i would just be trying to keep my first and second round picks but if it came down to it cardinals coach jonathan gannon former db's coach for the colts kenny moore hey that's a player they might throw out there i'm just yeah i mean i i agree with you i'm just saying that they have to be realistic and if you are a colts fan listening right now and that's an option that becomes available Again, be realistic. There's not going to be a scenario where it's like, we'll just give a number four and a fifth rounder. And it's like, no, that's not going to be enough to get that done. No, no, because they're not going to be fielding teams. They're not going to be fielding team calls from one team. It's going to be multiple. It's going to be multiple if Stroud falls, the unlikely yeah, scenario. Yeah, and you made a great point, I believe a few weeks ago, where it's like, well, I think it was Good Morning Football. You have to box out the other teams. Like, that's the point of moving yeah. up. Too. So you're not just paying right. for that's why it's gonna right. cost. You're not just paying for the pick. If no one else wanted the pick, then great. You know, you just say whatever you're you want. Playing, you're paying to play exactly. Defense. And so that could be a huge, huge I mean, Pittman said it himself. We were talking to him last week. He's like, someone could, you know, throw a left hook, top of the draft, and it could be a scramble. So he's like, I'm not gonna even assume what I want to assume. Um, which was a very GM like answer. I know he said he doesn't want to get into that, but I was like, hmm, smart Pittman. Okay, okay. They're preparing for this inside oh, that yeah. draft room right now. They are preparing for every scenario. They play these simulations, essentially, where they say, okay, what if what if Stroud's available at three? What do we do? And what are we prepared to offer? And what are we pay- prepared to add to that offer if they don't like it, right? Because if you offer, you're going to have to make sure you get it done. And I think that's the fascinating part because if anyone moves up, they're going to move up for a quarterback. They're not going to move up for a defensive player per the normal thinking. So that's going to be the fascinating part is how do those simulations play out in the Colts mind? Where are they willing to go? What are they willing to give up? And who's the guy they really want? Because at this point, they know. They know what they want. They know if if Stroud's there, if they're willing to go get him. They know if Richardson and Levis are both there. They know which one they prefer. They're they're finishing up their visits and their interviews and their workouts over the next couple days. But but they know. Ballard's got to know. He's not going to tell anybody. I always go back to this. Before he picked Quentin Nelson's sixth in 2018, one person knew what he was going to do, and that was his middle son. Some of his other kids didn't even know. So he's going to keep this tight to the vest. That's how he operates. Be very, very skeptical of rumors and things you hear over the next 10 days. That's all I'm going to say. The Colts keep this really close to the vest. 
That's how they've always done things. I'm not saying the things that leak out aren't true, but until they make that pick and turn in that card, I'm going to keep all the options on the table in terms of what they might do because I really feel like they could go in a number of directions. Yeah, one last thing to kind of button this part of it up in regard to <laughs> Ursay tweeting out the photos. He didn't tweet out Lamar Jackson. So, uh, you know, as a joke or not as a joke, that ship has sailed in case anyone wasn't sure. You I know. told you guys at the oh, owner's yeah, meetings, you, man. I, I walked out of Ursay's hotel suite and I said, ain't happening. Yeah, and then, you know, through reporting, through the grapevines, reading the tea leaves, whatever you want to call it, it's been reaffirmed ever since then. You know, it's been reaffirmed by by Ursay himself, obviously, when you were there in Arizona, and he's saying, I don't like guaranteed contracts. I, you know, love these picks and things like that. He said he has the money. I'm not doubting that a billionaire has a lot of money, but at the end of the day, no one wants to give up $200 million if they don't have to for the same item they're trying to get, which is a quarterback. So... Ursay wants a rookie quarterback. He wants a rookie quarterback. Listen to his it's words. So listen to his words and listen to his rationale. And you can agree with it or disagree with it, but I think you're right. It's it's time to move on in terms of the discussion. And it was worth having. It was worth having for a couple of weeks because they didn't rule it out. At least Ballard didn't. And then publicly, it's it's obviously it's a need, right? Like you don't have an answer right now, and you're not sitting at the top of the draft. But you know who did rule it out, more or less, was Shane Steichen. He was asked yeah, about it. That was the key was like, last Whoa, Wednesday. Okay. Like he was like he was focused boom. on the players in this building. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I saw, I saw a little of that, that fire we, we've heard about. Team. So, I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense um, from their standpoint what direction they're going. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. We've, again, hashed this, written about it in a dozen different ways, it feels like. But just again, want to drive home that point. Lamar Jackson not coming to Indianapolis. And we'll see what happens on that front from afar. But as for right now, Zach. You know, we got a uh, presumably the two guys are, you know, two I'm sure you're going to dive into here <laughs> over the next week and a half. But I mean, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and I know people have like these polar opposite opinions about both. You know, this guy's next to Marcus Russell, this guy's next uh, Carson Wentz, this guy's, you know, going to be the next Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, this guy's going to be the next Josh Allen. You do not know. But that's the beauty of it, I guess, or the, or the danger in evaluating. Everybody's got it all figured out. That's the fun part. Today, I posted a story on The Athletic that essentially went back and I dug up every single thing Chris Ballard has ever said about drafting a quarterback. Going back to really the conversation started in 2019 after Andrew Luck retired. Who's going to be the next guy? And they haven't found that guy. That's why they're in this spot. It was exhaustive. Uh, it took a lot longer than I thought. But I think it paints a picture of how this guy thinks. And you can create either scenario, them liking Richardson, them liking Levis, through these quotes. And you can also see them staying back and saying, this this isn't our guy, and not picking one of them. But really interesting insight, I thought, on, on the traits Ballard values, the arm talent, the stakes of this choice, the misses before. You know, Justin Fields was an option in, in 20 and 21, I mean, and, and they didn't they didn't get him because they had Wentz and, and the Wentz is a big regret and some of the discussions they have in the draft room. So that sort of sets the stage for what this guy's thinking is at this point and why he's made some of the moves. And look, some of the moves were the right moves and some of them were absolutely not the right moves. That's why they're here. But when we get into Levis and Richardson, they're they're very different prospects. And I think they have different ceilings and they have different floors and they have different personalities. Let me start here, James, and tell me if you agree with this. 
you can talk yourself into either one. And that's the dangerous game right now, right? Like you can see if you pull up the right film and you listen to the right quote and you pair it with the right quote from Ballard or Steichen, you can feel either of them working in Indianapolis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not going to sit up here and say this guy is the guy, this guy isn't the guy, because, again, if there was a consensus number one pick, we wouldn't be debating, you know, who should go number one. We wouldn't be speculating who should go number one. What I will add. Yeah, if there was, the Panthers would take him. And if there was, the Bears wouldn't have traded out. Oh, absolutely. I truly think if there was a we get him, we got our guy type of prospect where there's no question marks. Justin Fields is Joe Burrow was in this draft. He'd be a Chicago Bear. There's, there's no question. You don't pass on that guy. There's not this guy, and that's why the the move the Colts make is is not just the answer. It's the start for me. It's okay. What are you going to do with this guy? How are you going to surround him with the right pieces, the right coaching, the right personnel, the right staff? Like all that's going to matter. We'll get into that after they pick one. But this is going to be so interesting because it's so gray right now it is but i do think that there are like i alluded to just a few seconds ago richardson has extreme upside i think his floor is higher than we're giving him credit for just nationally i do think that his running ability and his ability to read defenses is better than just looking at his complete uh completion percentage he's better than you know just what you i guess look at a box score you and you have to account for that obviously He doesn't not know what he's doing out there. That's an easy, lazy take on a guy who has bad completion percentage and only started one year. Now, there's certainly tape that you don't like, and he puts too much heat on some balls and struggled against zone coverage and all that, but like, he's got good touch with some deep throws, and he can read defenses and read. He can go through different progressions. I think that's sort of, yeah, let's let's address that a little bit. Exactly. So I do think that whenever it comes to quarterback prospect in any class, any year, you want to be able to put these guys in a box. This guy can't do this. This guy can't. But there's a lot of nuance with Anthony Richardson because, A, he's such a freak athlete. You have to account for that. He is arguably the most athletic quarterback prospect in NFL history. That's not really something that's outlandish. We've seen the numbers. He would be a great athlete pretty much any position he played. And he looks like one of those players or athletes who would be good at whatever he actually wanted to do. So if you told him, go play basketball or go play you know, uh, baseball, do something like that. Like, I think that he could do it given the amount of time or practice because he's just so naturally gifted. Everything he does looks easy. I mean, Zach, I was watching his pro day um, on TV at Florida and he's throwing 30 yard passes from his butt, just sitting down and it's nothing. At the combine, he was throwing 60, 70 yards with the flick of a wrist. Absolutely. Like it looked like a vortex football. Yeah. And that's the other thing. The, The ball looks so small in his hands. It's ridiculous. But then you look at, Will Levis, and I think that there is something to be said about running an NFL type of offense the last two years from two different NFL, former NFL coordinators. I know they've flip-flopped and gone back, come back, but nonetheless, two NFL um, offensive coordinators. He's got the toughness. You want to see more pocket awareness. I'm I'm a little skeptical. I'm like, man, can you teach that? Because every time he gets hit, it's like he just has no idea that there's pressure. That's a huge concern. Yeah, you want to touch on that a little bit? Let me read you this line from The Beast. This is the last line of Dame Brugler's piece on Will Levis. Similarities with Carson Wentz should be considered both a positive and a negative, but he has starter-level traits and upside. That just stopped. All of Indianapolis just just groaned because you read that. I've had the same vibe for a little bit, like a Carson Wentz vibe. And I don't know if it's 
I don't know if there's merit to it or not, but I've had a little bit of that with Will Levis. Big arm, huge arm. Too much heat on some short throws. Doesn't have the touch you need. The layups, right? Everybody watched those games with the Colts a couple years ago. And then lastly, it's... It's that pocket awareness, and I don't know if that can develop. I've asked a lot of people I trust about that. And some guys say you can. I talked to Matt Hasselbeck at the owner's meetings, a longtime quarterback, analyst for ESPN. He's like, yeah, it can be developed. I remember asking Peyton Manning this question years ago, and I understand he's Peyton Manning and he's one of one. I understand that. Peyton said, look, I don't know if it can be developed. I've just always known. I've just always had that feel. Colts fans who go back, remember, Peyton would always duck and take these little sacks that didn't look great. But he didn't take the hits. He just had this sixth sense for when pressure was coming. I don't know, James, if that's something you can coach into a guy. You can coach mechanics. You can coach release. You can coach touch. You really can. But I don't know if you can coach that intangible pocket presence feel. Yeah, but then we talk about intangibles, right? And if whether it can be taught or not taught, that's for Shane Steichen to decide and to weigh in. You know, when it yeah. comes to yeah, and he's going to have a huge play in this, if not the deciding right. vote. I really believe but, that. When you talk about all the off-field stuff, not saying that Anthony Richardson isn't respected or he's not a hard worker, but you hear more of it um, on Levis's side when it comes to the work ethic, his teammates loving him, his coaching staff loving him, and as you pointed out repeatedly, you know his coaches never had to uh, raise him up. They've had to like kind of simmer him down a bit. Hey, you're asking for too much too soon, but. He works. He's a worker. He's developed that mentality as a player. And I asked Shane Steichen this because I find it unique in a way. Like, do you seek out those moments of failure, adversity when you're evaluating these quarterbacks? Because you can look at upside, the great plays, all that stuff as much as you want. But do you, who are they when they fail? And I think that that's almost an advantage for Will Levis because he's been humbled a bit. Not to saying Anthony Richardson isn't isn't humbled. I mean, like the two different versions of humbled. Like Anthony Richardson, so to speak, has been sort of the golden child as far as athletic no, ability. That's a really good. Like I'm point. not talking about his background. Like his, we we've known about his background. His background was not easy. I'm not discrediting any no, of but, that. But but you're going to fail in the NFL, and I mean temporarily. Yes. Like you're going to run into a right. wall, and it's going to. And hit how you do you hard. handle that? How do you walk into a locker room? Everyone is going to look exactly, at you and, see and how I you do think that. that Levis has a leg up in that department because he's failed. I mean, this is the guy who couldn't, you know, uh, get the starting job at Penn State, and then went to Florida. Kind of had this renaissance where he, you know, figured it out. And I, Kentucky. I'm sorry, yeah, Kentucky. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, I do think that the other point I want to make when it comes to the Carson Wentz comparisons is is it the, the leadership aspect? You know what I mean? Like you, you've never really heard. Carson Wentz be described as a fantastic leader. He's had the physical abilities. He's had the physical gifts. He's had success in the NFL, um, even though to some people might not seem like it's happened a lot, but he's had success in the NFL. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been given the chances he's been given to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, maybe playing at a bigger school, again, being humbled at a different school makes something different inside of you. But this is, again, all the mind games I feel like you have to go through because I could talk myself into either one. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm part. doing right now. And so I just think that they're, you know, it's not a knock on either player to say you're leaning towards one or the other if from the outside looking in because they have the traits. And if you hit on them, I mean, everyone talks about if you hit, if you miss, then I mean, you miss that. I mean, people miss all the time. That happens a lot more than if you hit. 
But if you hit on either guy, you can't tell me that there wouldn't be a successful quarterback because of the physical gifts, the tools and things like that. The, I guess the danger is if you end up with someone who's not a complete, you know, failure or but also not a complete star, you're in like that middle ground, like Ryan Tannehill type of, you know, level where you're good enough to win games, win the division, but you're never really good enough to actually go good far. Good enough to get you fired. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I do think that Ballard's job is riding on this pick. I don't think that that's something that we should just gloss over. I don't know how long of a leash he has if they draft a quarterback and it just doesn't work out from the jump. Now, I do think there's going to have to be time to get him to develop. I think Anthony Richardson will probably take a little bit longer because he is younger and hasn't seen as much when it comes to coverage. I don't and think you make the decision based on that. But no. I think the one factor that's important is they will be patient. They will be willing to sit this guy. Now, both of them probably need reps, especially Richardson. He's 20 years old. He only played one season in college. Like, that's a huge factor in this. Like, where is the where is the ceiling for him? It's really impossible to know because he's only played one year. I feel like one more year at Florida would help him immensely. But I agree with your point, and it's not a knock on Richardson. There's nothing off the field that makes you worry about Richardson. Seriously, he got a speeding ticket for going 140 or whatever it was. And you don't love that from your quarterback, right? But the more I have dug on Levis and the more people I've talked to from and around Kentucky, the more I've felt like he could fit. And here's why. He's super mature, five years, graduated in three years at Penn State, you know, took over right away at Kentucky. The team feeds off him. His personality is one that guys naturally follow. That's a quote from Liam Cohen, his OC. And he had a really good junior year and he was tracking to be a really high pick. And then he had a really tough senior year. And it kind of goes to what you were saying. How does he handle adversity? This guy played through three injuries last year. They didn't win as much as they wanted to. He didn't have the stats that he wanted to. And he struggled at times against some of the better teams in the conference, which is the best conference in the country. It leaves him kind of in this nomad's land. Like, where, like which quarterback is he? The senior year version or the junior year version? But I keep going back to this. I do feel like Will Levis is obsessed with quarterback play. I feel like he's obsessed with football. I feel like it's all it's all he wants to do. And I go back to that quote from Shane Steichen. He's going and he's looking for that quality in these guys, that intangible obsessiveness. And I feel like this decision will come down to, for lack of a better term, off the field. Because both are incredibly talent, incredibly talented quarterbacks. Physically, they have so much to like. They have some of the same flaws, accuracy, consistency, Who's the guy that needs football? Who's the guy that lives football? And I feel like Levis might have an edge in that. And maybe I'm wrong about Richardson, but when you are built like he is, the game comes a little bit more naturally to you. And when you step into this league, that kind of goes away. It goes away early because this league is unforgiving. And I do think defensive coordinators will lose sleep when they start to face Anthony Richardson in his prime. I just feel like he is a scary weapon on offense. And Jim Irsay will like the idea of having a guy who can take over a game with his legs. Believe me, he values that. I wonder about the ceiling with Levis as well. But in terms of off the field stuff and and the guy you're going to bring in that's going to be ready to go in terms of the maturity and the consistency and the dependability from a personal standpoint, forget the football stuff because that's going to be up and down with either one. I feel like Levis has an edge in that category. Would you agree? Yeah. And again, this isn't a knock on Richardson. It's just He's three years older than you, so he, he should be more mature or he should have more um, 
you know, uh, leadership qualities because he's been in that role longer than you. However, Richardson should have stayed in school, but no, he shouldn't because he's going to. Oh, get yeah. In the top the of University of Money is so much better than the University of Florida or Kentucky or wherever. Um, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. People can say whatever they want. And I love this debate. Just a little little tangent. People say, oh, I, the money's always going. No, no, no. School's always going to be there. The money is not, especially not in a field as as a sport as brutal as football. I don't think that's something you can joke about. I do think that it is a serious decision to go back, and obviously you would get better. I think that it would have done wonders for Richardson if you could, like in a video game, turn injuries off. Great decision, but injuries happen, and so you don't want to risk going back and then you know having a, a big injury or something, and you have a chance to support your family or, or live your dream. So. The time was now. It, that's in any sport. And until you can go top five, you got to go. You know, I know it's rare for guys to go back. I think Andrew Luck actually did it and Peyton Manning as well. Yeah, different. Cat. Yeah, but also I think that they were a lot more polished and people kind of knew and they had, barring anything crazy, they were going to be number one anyway, you know, as far as. or, or Luck probably would have gone ahead of Cam Newton. A funny story, before he decided to return, Luck actually called Peyton. They knew each other, family, friends from Archie and Oliver Luck. And Peyton was like, yeah, you know, staying was one of the best decisions I ever made. Funny how that happened and how that oh, played out over man. the next year. I wonder if he called right The young after. kid took the old kid's <laughs> job and the old guy's not happy. Yeah, oh, yeah. So anyway, side yeah, story. Yeah, but I mean, getting back to the point, I think that there's a lot of decisions to be made within just the dichotomy of that decision. Um, because how much do you weigh the obsession with just the overall ability to play the game? I mean, there's probably some players, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is the case for everyone. But like, obsession is great, you know. But I mean, if you aren't as obsessed as this other guy, or if you are, whatever, whatever like happens, it matters on Sunday. If you win, if you win, no one cares how dedicated or not dedicated or how long you're in. Like, they care about results. But I will say. Obviously, if you put more time into things, you usually get better at them. But, you know, if you're a I'm going to watch film for 12 hours today or I'm only going to watch it for eight today, it becomes a talking point whether you when you don't succeed. But if you succeed, no one cares how much film you're watching right. or whatever the case right. may be. For example, Kyler Murray with the whole contract. It's, you don't want a quarterback with the homework. Yeah, calls. like you don't want that. But if it's somewhere in the middle where they're still working extremely hard and it's not you know, to the point where it's like uh, something that we bring up all the time. Who cares? Because all that matters is winning. Now, again, I will say for me, you know, studying always helps. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to put in the extra hours every now and then. But there is no uh, Quizlet or, you know, uh, spark notes for quarterbacking. So I do think that that, you know, your relationship with Stane Steichen, your ability to sit next to him, literally, I think, and watch film and go over protections, go over all the boring stuff that you don't get credit for when you're being a great quarterback matters. And so this is the trait, and we'll segue here, but this is the trait he talked about with Jalen Hurts. And right before we hopped on here to record this, Jalen Hurts just became the highest paid NFL player in history. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. $255 million. And what, $179 million guaranteed. And as my guy, yeah, yes. And as my guy Randy Mueller pointed out, former GM, that money that he just got, most likely all of it will be fully guaranteed because guess what they're going to do two or three years from now? They're going to go, hey, Jalen, you're still our quarterback. Can we, like, change part of your salary to a signing bonus? Yeah, can we pay you and sooner than we were supposed exactly. to to free up some exactly. room? That's kind Clear of some cap space and all that type of stuff. So he's going to get pretty much every penny of that deal unless he has some crazy injury. But it is, you know, I'm saying that to say Shane Steichen had a hand in that. Not giving him all the credit, but he deserves his proper due for helping Jalen Hurts make the jump from 2021, where he was still kind of, okay, is he a starting quarterback in this in, in the league, to, oh my goodness, he's a top five quarterback in the league in 2022. No one's questioning this deal. That's a really good point. This bet is not on Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. It's not solely on them. It's on Shane Steichen. They are betting on this guy. That's why they hired him. I want to go back to a conversation I had with someone with the Eagles a year ago at this time. And they were like, what happened with Carson? And I'm like, how much time do you have, right? And, and I don't want to go into that, but I said, he just wasn't the guy. He just wasn't the guy. That's my short answer. And they say, we got our guy. We got our guy. Now, remember, after Jalen's first season as the starter, he was terrible in that playoff loss to the Bucks. And there were some questions. The Eagles had a fairly high draft pick, courtesy of the Colts and whatever. Well, are they going to go quarterback last year in the draft? That wasn't a crazy thought. Now, they didn't. But they knew he was the guy, and it wasn't necessarily all because of what he was doing on the field. It's because off the field, he was the freaking guy. And you've heard Shane mention this as you just talked about. Like he talked about, like you just knew 
He put in so much time and he was so dedicated and obsessed with being great that there was no way he was going to fail this year. He finished second in MVP voting to Patrick Mahomes. That's what Steichen's looking for. He's looking for a Jalen Hurts. It doesn't have to come in the first five picks. Hurts was a second round pick. And I thought Howie Roseman made an interesting comment. The Eagles GM last year, he was like, if you're the guy at quarterback and you're worried about the guy behind you, then you're not the guy at quarterback. And it's just funny how it worked out. They moved off from Carson Wentz at the exact right time, got a first and a third, and they got their stud for the next five or six years at a very high rate. But it's a guy who absolutely deserves it because he took the jump that merits that. And so that's the fascinating part. And I think in the back of Steichen's mind, he's looking for that guy. He worked with Justin Herbert as a rookie. He worked with Jalen Hurts as a young passer. He's looking for those guys that are obsessed. And that's going to be the fun part because – Steichen's going to mold this ball of clay into whatever he becomes the first part of his career. And I think the Colts feel really good about that. I really feel like everything I've heard about Shane Steichen so far is is very positive in terms of how he's commanding the room and what he's going to do with this rookie passer. Yeah, and the pressure's on for him, which I think he would welcome. He seems like the guy who embraces that and enjoys that. But at the same time, you know, Hertz was a second round pick. So a surprise. Yeah. And pick. so the, the dynamic there isn't exactly the same, but I think the, the overall message is if you can get a guy who really cares about this, who is able to have that sort of marriage with the, with the, who doesn't have physical limitations. Cause those are the things you can't change. Exactly. Right? And I do think that we're seeing, we keep saying new era. We we say new era whenever a, any team picks a you know a new franchise quarterback. But this really is a new era of football, in my opinion, because you have more of the the running style quarterbacks, and even the guys who aren't you know runners, so yeah. to say. Whoever they pick, they're going to get yeah. a runner. Like whichever one they exactly. go, with, they're, they're going to be able. Like Levis is not the runner Richardson is, but he is a willing and physical runner. If it's third and nine, he's not going to stop at third and eight. Like he's going to go through the guy. And if he gets hurt, he's going to get hurt. But he is willing to put his well, body. That's on a conversation line. that I'm sure that they would have uh, extensively because of <laughs> yeah, what happened. We don't need to get into <laughs> exactly. that exactly. But jokes aside, even guys like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, you wouldn't consider them to be runners, but they're able to pick up first downs with their legs. We saw how much it hurt the Colts last year. They had statues. Exactly, and I mean, Kenny Pickett had a good day against the Colts. Daniel Jones looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL the day they played at MetLife. Hey, the Colts got Daniel I mean, Jones paid, man. Oh, my goodness. I remember, but seriously. $40 million a year. Zach, after that game, I wrote a story. Everyone can go back and read it, but I was like, it's time for the Colts to enter the new era because they got people sitting back there like ducks Did you write that before or after I changed the t- tire in the parking lot of MetLife Stadium? Oh, Among man. our many highlights oh, from 2022. We'll, we'll have to have like a, a recap of the season that was, or you can just do another podcast and just call it, I don't know what you would call it, but it would be uh, the pain, I guess, um, because it was a very painful season. But That was episode four. <laughs> podcast, but, uh, uh, that is no, hilarious. And, and that's an important point way. because Ursay, Ursay wants a running quarterback. He, he wants it. He, he sees it as 12 men against 11 men because when you can throw and pass, you're another defender. You're another offensive player that the defense has to take account. And what did we talk about last week? Zaire Franklin, Shane Steichen, right? The Colts, you know, probably could have beat the Eagles in that game. Jeff Saturday's second game as interim coach. And what happened? The seas parted. Zaire Franklin made the wrong read. And Jalen Hurts strolled into the end zone. Steichen was telling Zaire in a conversation recently, like, no, man, we knew we were going to win that game. And Zaire's like, no way. That's the weapon that those running quarterbacks can have. And when you have a creative, 
aggressive play caller that Shane Steichen is, you can use them to really, it's almost unfair at times to, to use those legs as a weapon. And I know Jim Mercer is very much on board with that. And I think Jim Mercer trusts Shane Steichen right now, and he's willing to be patient, and he's willing to give this guy a chance to mold this young quarterback over the next couple of years. Because I don't think I'm surprising anybody. I don't think the Colts are going to compete next year. I just don't see it. And I think this quarterback's going to take time. But if you get the right guy over time, like the Eagles showed, it can pay off in a big way. Yeah, that's the one question you just touched on that's been hanging over my head as we get into draft week approaching us. What direction is this team going in? Because no one can give you a definitive answer. And I understand that that might not be their priority right now because obviously you have to get a franchise quarterback. They're going to draft a quarterback. But I thought it was fair. I asked Zaire, asked Michael Pittman, asked Buck, hey, has anybody told you what's going to happen with this team? What direction you're going in? And particularly with Buck, it's like, you know, he's like, I'm here. I'm committed. I'm not. He basically told us that Stephon Gilmore asked for a trade, which we all kind of knew just putting two and two together. But it was, I guess, good to hear from someone else inside the building. And he's like, oh, I got time. Like, But he's also like, I don't want to go through a rebuild. And I'm thinking to myself, OK, well, you're 29. You got two years and $40 million left on your deal. He can play it out. And is I think that Buck is a class act. I don't think he would ever walk into Ballot's office and say, trade me. However, that needs to be, and I know this is something that might rub people the wrong way. It has to be a conversation, I do think. And it should have been a conversation this offseason. But even now, I don't expect Buckner to sign an extension with the Colts. So he's going to play this season for them. No, well, then next year a becomes a contract year. And then what do you decide? You know, do you move him to get something back in return? Everything depends on this rookie quarterback. Yeah, but I'm even... You're going to know. Like Ursay said, it, you could be 6-11, and 11, but you're still going to know if you've got a guy. And that's not going to be known until November or December. My only issue with this is we're not talking about, like, I guess it's it just offensively. You know, he's a defensive player. He's a great defensive player. Like, Buck is really good. The Colts had a better season last year. He's probably a pro bowler, maybe getting all pro recognition because he was that good. But does he have the time? Like, even if you hit on Richardson or Levis, do you have the time? Seriously, because you can say, oh, they're going to yeah, be but good. And 20 million is not a small number. Exactly. And so that's my only thing, Zach. Doesn't it feel like they're going out of their way to not use the word rebuild? Yes. Like, if I said that in front of Jim Mercer, he would he would resist that. He would fight that. And they're, and they're not. In a sense, because they didn't ship Kenny Moore out of town. They didn't ship Ryan Kelly out of town. They didn't ship Buckner out of town. Right. They've got talent on this team. Now, they're still bottom half of the league, and they don't have the talent where they need it, the most important positions, obviously. But you're telling me a team with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, I mean, they're still going to be able to win games. They're still going to win five, six, seven games, whatever. It doesn't. That doesn't really matter. But they're not cleaning house. They're not resetting. They're not blowing everything up like they did in 2012. But they're also not going for it and they're not trying to aggressively add a lot of pieces they added a kicker they added a mediocre receiver they signed some of their own guys they're kind of in no man's land so this is what i want to say i do think that they're in this evaluation period where they're going to get the quarterback see who he is what they have and then so it makes sense from that standpoint you know may and then i do want to point this out infrastructure is everything. Like you don't want to bring a young rookie quarterback in who's not an Andrew Luck, who isn't a Joe Burrow, who isn't, you know, a, that's a, a really good point into just complete chaos, no type of identity, a bunch of losses stacking up. And there's, you know, 
the direction is, well, we're just tanking to add to no, there has to be something in place. So I think that there is that's a that's a point that fans have made when I wrote my piece. They pushed back on it. I respect that take. But I do think like when we come next offseason and we're talking about what the Colts are doing, there has to be a definitive line in the sand of what they're going to do after next season. Now, after you see what you've had. Obviously, your draft pick will depend. And who's going to run the team? After exactly, because well. I'm thinking to that's myself. That's a really good like, point, and that's that's a top that's at the top of Ballard's mind. Yeah, it has to be. Is it's not just who you pick and where you pick them; it's what you do every step of the way from there. He was on the staff in Kansas City that scouted and drafted Mahomes, and he was asked this offseason, like you know, Mahomes. There's a lot of knocks on him coming out. He threw for a million yards and a bunch of touchdowns, but his mechanics were shaky. He was inconsistent. And what happened? He didn't play for a year. He did not play for a year. The Chiefs knew what they had, and he didn't play for a year. The Colts are willing to do that. They are willing to do that and eat the losses with Gardner Minshew. Long term, I think that's the right play. I'm not saying if it's Richardson or Levis, like, of course I want to see him play. And What I'm saying is I don't think they're going to feel the pressure to rush a guy in who's not ready to play. Jim Irsay, for all the impatience and impetuousness that he displayed last season, and I wrote about it, I think he will be patient in this situation. He knows what it's like to draft a quarterback high. He drafted three of them. Luck, Peyton, going back to Jeff George in 91. He knows that position very well for an owner, and I think he will lean on Steichen and Ballard's expertise at that spot over time. And also, remember, you know, Ballard talked about the regrets of trading for Carson Wentz. It was Ursay who pushed the Matt Ryan trade over the line. It was Ursay who wanted to make that move. So their hands are all dirty in this mess, including Frank Reich. We don't need to go into that. The importance of getting this one right starts the minute you draft him. And it's not going to be a situation where they're trying to win games at the end of 2023 to make the playoffs. So I think patience will be what they lean on, despite the fans wanting this kid to play right away. Because we're going to we'll be there in August and September and November. No, no, no yeah, doubt. You ain't even got to say the fans. Me. I don't, I don't you know, when you <laughs> draft somebody that high, I don't want to... <laughs> Right about the guy that they man, like the future. first rookie minicamp. It's gonna be like, is he the starter yet? It's like, dude, chill exactly. Out. But I mean, even that type of stuff, it matters. Like the weight of carrying a franchise, and that's something I'll definitely dive into and take a, a bigger picture look at after the draft when they pick whoever they're gonna pick, and I have some time to really think about it and do some research on it. But the weight of carrying a franchise that has been since they moved to Indianapolis, defined by Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. That's the other part of it. Like this isn't, and I've said this multiple times, this isn't the Steelers or the Ravens who have been had these great defenses and that's been their identity, this this grit and grind, and we're going to just hurt you. The identity of the Colts is it's, the quarterbacks. I mean, outside of those two yes. players, since they've been in Indianapolis, the identity of the Colts has been nothing. They haven't had success. They haven't been winning. They haven't been a franchise. It's been the upper quartile, and they say that as a joke, but like they had two of the greatest quarterbacks for their different respective eras and it changed everything and and so even walking into any franchise franchise it's a lot but this franchise in particular because you're gonna get compared to those guys fair or not fair better or worse and these guys these guys aren't those guys they're not and at I least don't know we don't know right now be. they're different they're different and they could be fun and they could be great players but they ain't those two and it's going to take patience. And this process is going to be completely different than the first year. Andrew Luck didn't even come to OTAs as a rookie because he was still graduating at Stanford. He came in, was okay the first day of minicamp, and then tore up the defense his second day. He knew the entire offense. Bruce Arians walked out the next day in all black. The defensive players said, why are you wearing all black? 
He said, because I'm going to a funeral. Andrew killed you guys yesterday. Like, that ain't going to happen this time. I think the fans know that. But you're right. that It's not just coming to any franchise to play quarterback. Every single quarterback we've talked to the last couple of years that have come here, Carson Wentz's first day, Matt Ryan's first day, Phillip Rivers' first day, they talk about what it means to play quarterback for this franchise after watching greatness for so long. It's different now. But that is a very real aspect in this, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of why I'm so excited to not only see the play from the quarterback, because obviously that matters more than anything, but just how you handle that. How do you navigate that? Who do you go to when things don't go well? You know, as the season goes on, who are going to be those players you lean on to help you get through the frustration or the tough times and things like that? Um, because they're going to come. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I just mean, I mean, you're very rarely going to come in and have success right away in the NFL at any position. No, this league's going to smack exactly. you. Exactly. And, it's going and to. I do think that there is a level of you talk about, you know, Andrew Luck shredding the defense. This defense right now on the Colts, they think that they were pretty good last year. They returned a lot of those pieces. Obviously, they're Stefan Gilmore's gone. They got to figure out some other roles. Rodney McLeod isn't there anymore. But I don't think Zaire Franklin is gonna go into training camp and be like, Yeah, they got this rookie quarterback. He's gonna, you know, tear us up. No, they're probably gonna be like, We're gonna smack this dude and see what he's made up. And they should. You're not you're not gonna know. You're not gonna know until it gets until it gets real. And it's gonna get real real fast. And if no, that's that's the best part. You gotta see what this guy's made of because it's gonna be like that every Sunday for 17 weeks. And they have a flawed roster. It's not complete. They have an offensive line that needs to play better. We're not sure if it will. They have a rookie head coach, and they have a defense that fell off at the end of last season, though we like what they did for the most part. But that's the fun part. And and expectations have been completely reset. They were wrong. We were wrong. The fans were wrong. This team is completely different. The feel around this team is completely different, heading into camp and mini camp and all that this year. But I'm excited for this draft season to end. I'm really excited for it to end. And I just want an answer, and I know a lot of fans out there as well. I can't go, man, like I get DMs every morning when I wake up. I was out to dinner a couple, you know, last weekend, and this guy pulled me aside. He's like, all right, you got to tell me. Who's, who are they going to oh take? Gosh. I won't tell anyone. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, but that's the fun part. They re- I really don't know which way they're going to go. We will talk to Chris Ballard on Friday, but again, he's not going to give us the answer. We've got a lot coming, a lot coming on The Athletic. James, what are you working on? I think we've got stories pegged for every day until the draft, right? I've got some stuff coming on, some potential uh, Colts picks in the draft. You know, Players that realistically have a chance to be considered um, in this draft class, Payne Durham, talk to him. Last week, you know, during the local pro day, he's getting a lot of comparisons to Jack Doyle. I have a fun story coming on that that I think you all will enjoy. Uh, same with Julius Brents, an Indianapolis native, went to Warren Central High School. He's a guy who could be in that second round, third round range as far as cornerbacks. He's a confident dude, someone who, again, is a realistic option for them. I have some more big board, mock draft type of stuff coming up, the final ones before obviously the real one. And so, again, I appreciate everyone supporting, you know, that type of content. It's been a learning experience for me just to (laughs) dive into film draft analysis and looking at other people's analysis of certain players and, you know, looking at the beast and realizing that Dane Brugler is amazing because it takes me seriously like maybe three hours four to not cheat you all when I put out like a big board of top 10, top 15 players, because honestly, at this point, I have a sense of like players in different ranges, and I could probably choose the same ones every time, but I try to switch it up. But man, after that last one, Zach, when I did like the 15 off the beast, I was just thinking, like, wow, 
I did 15 players. I'm sick of this already. And Dane had over a thousand that he and like and, and again, I want to plug this a lot. He actually had a seven round mock draft that came out today with the Colts selecting every pick, yeah. all 250, whatever. Yeah, and, and the Colts and, and he didn't make any trades in this mock draft because I mean, goodness gracious, you're asking him to do a full seven round mock draft, make every single pick and do trades. Like we've got to have some, you know, a life outside of this. But the pick was Anthony Richardson. So I guess you can marinate on that. Yeah, just stay tuned for more of that content. I'll actually have a reaction to Dane's, you know, nine picks he made for the Colts and, and, and how they fit. What do I think as the beat writer for the team? Things like that. And I know for you, you also had the huge deep dive. I'd encourage everyone to, you know, break it up in parts if you have to and go through it because it is fascinating. And I think that it's important to kind of give you a, a good sense of what Ballard may be thinking or not thinking heading into, you know, the most important week of, I believe, his tenure. But for you, Zach, what are you working on? Yeah, I went back to the the very first time Chris Ballard talked to us, the, the day he was hired in 2017 and watched the entire press conference. And he famously said that day, it's not going to be about one guy. And that's what the fan base wanted to hear. They wanted help around Andrew Luck. The irony being, it's become about one guy, not getting that one guy, not having that quarterback position for the last couple of years. That's the reality of where they're at. They're picking fourth. It's a lot of Chris Ballard on football stuff and then non-football stuff. And I think it's an interesting window into his thinking because that's that's how he thinks. He's not changing. He's not going to blow up his his approach. I, I believe that. We will hear from him on Friday. I'm digging into the two most likely options. I'm going to make the case for Will Levis. have learned a lot about him the last month and a half from, from people I trust around the league and people at Kentucky. And then I'm going to make the case for Anthony Richardson because you turn on the tape and if you write, if you watch the right plays... I mean, your jaw hits the, the desk. Special wow. stuff. Like, wow. Like, runs of 65, runs of 70. Like, wow. Like, video game stuff. But then if you watch the other plays, it's like, oh, I could I could just see him never, you know. That's the fun part. Um, so I'm going to dig into the case for Will Levis, the case for Anthony Richardson. We will talk to the coordinators on Wednesday of this week and hear for some more players. We hear from Chris Ballard on Friday. And we will have another podcast next week before the draft. We will obviously react in real time after the draft and have you covered at the Athletics. So everything you need to know about the Colts draft over the next 15 to 20 days, including when they show up for rookie minicamp, we'll have you covered. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. We will have a lot, lot, lot more over the next week and a half, but we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Finally. 10 days to go, <laughs> and we'll check in with you guys next week when really we're getting closer to decision time. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you guys next week.